Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, how's it going, Justin? I'm pretty tired. (laughs) (laughs) I've been real busy lately at work, and uh, yeah, this weekend has just been spent uh, resting up. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to have not not the first of our two episodes, but the second one has to do with with getting a lot of rest. So um, it's true. Yeah. And uh, I, I may or may not have dozed off <laughs> a little bit. While I, no, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Well, um, it is. It's the weekend that when we're recording this, so at least that that long week is uh, is done with for now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you've you've recharged. Hopefully you've gotten your dilithium matrix restored. And uh, see what I did there, I, Star Trek. I, I get it. Yeah, you know, the ship's dilithium runs out. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> yeah, so what's been going on? Uh, not much, actually. Uh, after work finished, uh, yeah, just spent the weekend resting up. Uh, I didn't even realize the Oscars were happening this weekend. Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't either. <laughs> uh, I tell my, my girlfriend started telling me, oh, yeah, by the way, here's all the, the Oscar winners. Like, wait, what? Like, they just announced those in advance now? It's like, no, it's going on right now. I'm like, oh. Yeah. You know, I've got Star Trek to talk about. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's talk about it when there's some, some Oscars for Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So how's it going in your part of the world? You know, um, not, not super intense um you know like like you just kind of kind of doing the the daily thing and then uh kind of recuperating uh on the weekend but um yeah um i actually uh, i think I was, I was telling you before we started recording that i was i was uh selling some uh used or selling some used i was selling some old books over the weekend and uh, the bookstore that i went to to do this um actually you know nowadays you've got to kind of do everything so they don't just sell used books they sell used video games used movies and 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 all that and um you know i was i was checking out they had a couple of uh of ps2 era star trek games um they had a voyager uh, what was it elite force yeah um and then they had i think it was shattered universe um, was yeah that sounds of? right yeah it sounds something like that and i was kind of tempted by them but i'm like my whole point here is getting rid of stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's how they get you they get you in there you you trade in your old stuff and then you see cool star trek stuff yeah elite force is a really good game huh. uh, uh well, i think it was made by raven yeah. It's based yeah. on Quake, the Quake engine. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're, you're thinking of the same game that I saw. Yeah, it's really fun on PC. I haven't played the PS2 version. Uh, I am kind of bummed that I can't really play the PC version anymore because it's really old and unsupported. Huh. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are ways to play those games. Um, but I would like, I kind of wish that uh, Elite Force 2 which I think is the better game uh, had come to PS2. So I could at least play that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering maybe uh, they'll be available at some point on like good old games or something. Oh, maybe they are. Well, 
uh, yeah, I I remember back uh, in the PSM days that we did get, I believe, both of those games in for review, but I wasn't the reviewer of them. Uh, that went that uh, went to a resident uh, Star Trek fanatic, Stephen Frost, <laughs> <laughs> and I do know that he re- he reviewed both of those, and uh, I can't really remember what he thought of them, but I mean, I know he was super excited about the Voyager game because he was a huge Voyager fan. Uh, and I don't know if he still is, but he has his autograph seven of nine, uh, picture still. Nice. <laughs> That's personalized to him. So, um, yeah, but they had those. Uh, and then the other thing I saw <laughs> that was kind of silly, and I'm not sure if I'm kicking myself for not picking it up, but they had a couple of Star Trek action figures. Um, one of them was from JJ Abrams, Star Trek. Uh, it was, uh, uh, Chekhov, which was, I felt that was like a little too recent, maybe. Uh, but the other one they had was Soren from Star Trek Generations. And it was like the worst possible Malcolm McDowell figure. It like, it didn't look like him at all. It was just kind of like this guy with very silver hair and a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be his character from Star Trek Generations. Yeah, those uh, Generations toys were not very good. If I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, wasn't the greatest. Not as good as, you know, my, uh, my cowboy wharf or anything like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of toys, uh, next weekend is mm-hmm. the San Jose Super Toy Show. Yes, it's back. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be going there and looking for Star Trek stuff. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, we'll have to report back on the show, uh, what we've, what we've managed to find. Yeah, but that wasn't the and and then there was actually some Star Trek news. Yeah, so uh, this week regarding the upcoming Star Trek show, the that has no title yet, but uh <laughs> the yeah, the new series that's coming out in 2017. Uh, you know, show, the showrunner as we know is Brian Fuller, which is awesome. Mhm. And uh a new person has joined the staff. Uh, Nicholas Meyer is going to be writing some episodes and he's a consulting producer and Nicholas Meyer actually worked on really important Star Trek stuff in yeah. his past. Yeah, uh, so R I S S R I S T S really important Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Official TM. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He was a director and an uncredited co-writer on Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's kind of the big one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most people agree. That's the best Star Trek movie. Uh-huh. Uh, he also was a co-writer on Star Trek four, the voyage home mm-hmm. and, uh, was a co-writer and director of Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. So, you know, the good Star Trek movies. Yeah, right? And uh and this this uh person, uh this <laughs> that made him sound so unimportant. Uh this esteemed screenwriter and director is going to be working on the new Star Trek series. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. So far they're assembling quite the team to put this together. So, I'm I'm curious what it's going to be. Like I'm like, what era is it going to take place during? You know, is it going to be the classic tale of exploration? You know, what are they doing? And yet again, they, they've definitely mentioned in the, in the build up to this that they're going where no one has gone before. Like, what is, what? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, I mean, I was excited that a new Star Trek show was happening at all. Mm-hmm. And then you have these really important Star Trek names attached to it. And yeah, the pedigree is quite impressive. Yeah, definitely. The only bummer is it's going to be on CBS's streaming service. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And part of me is, is wondering, is that streaming service even going to be operational a couple of years from now or a year from now yeah we'll have to find out Uh, it's a it's yeah it's a bummer because i already subscribed to a lot of streaming services i don't have cable Mm -hmm. uh tv so i subscribe to hulu and netflix and amazon and all that Mm -hmm. and i kind of don't want to add another monthly fee to my right exactly but you know i Really want to see Star Trek, so I guess I have to. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, we'll do what we must do. <laughs> we'll have to have viewing parties, and we'll save them up, and watch <laughs> them together, or something. But I mean, yeah. we're definitely going to be doing Trek Trek about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm super excited. So yeah, that was uh, that was the big news, and I was really excited to talk about that with you. Yeah. Um, I hope you are still excited because we're going to be talking about two more episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, I'm excited to do that, too. Uh, We're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 15, Harbinger. Uh, Original air date, February 11th, 2004. All right, take it away. Uh, so the episode opens with Trip massaging a woman's foot. Uh, we assume it's to Paul because they've mm. been having neuropressure uh, sessions together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that uh, Trip is doing some neuropressure on one of the Makos. Oh, is it um uh the one that was on Lost? <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's a f- it's a female Mako, right? Right? Yeah, oh, not well. Daniel Day Kim. No, not Daniel D. Kim. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a female Mako. Uh, <laughs> they're talking about Reed and Major Hayes and the conflict between them. And then when uh, Trip is done massaging her foot, uh, the woman kisses him. Uh, then it's the opening credits. Uh, Captain Starlog, December twenty seventh, twenty one fifty three. Enterprise is en route to a Red Giant in order to find the Zindi weapon. Uh, as you recall, Degra had told them about the Red Giant in Stratagem. Uh, Reed enters Archer's ready room, and Archer tells them that Hayes wants to put Reed's team through Mako training drills. Uh, Archer is very sold on the idea, but Reed is definitely not. Uh, in sickbay, Phlox tells T'Pol that Corporal Amanda Cole had been complaining about headaches after receiving Vulcan neuropressure from Trip. So, now that Mako has a name, Amanda mm-hmm. Cole. Phlox <laughs> uh, wants T'Pol to talk to Trip and to help out Cole. Um, T'Pol doesn't look very happy about it. I mean, she doesn't express emotions, but... She looks clearly not pleased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not she's not hiding it very well. Uh, on the bridge, Mayweather is confused because the stars keep shifting positions. Uh, hmm. T'Pol discovers that there's a strong gravimetric disturbance three light years away that's causing that. Uh, Archer wants to check it out. 
It turns out to be a convergence of spatial anomalies more than 700 million kilometers in diameter. Uh, Hoshi discovers a vessel in the convergence. And Paul reads a humanoid biosign on it. Uh, as they try to fish the vessel out with the grappler, Enterprise becomes consumed by the spatial anomaly uh, disturbance. But uh, Trip gets them out of there. Uh, in a cargo bay, the vessel is opened. There's a male humanoid inside. Later in sick bay, Phlox tells Archer that the alien is suffering from rapid cellular degeneration. Uh, he looks all dried out. His skin is cracking. And... Yeah, he needs some um, lotion. <laughs> Pronto. Uh, the alien is upset that he was removed from his ship. Mm-hmm. He's like, put me back in! Yeah. Put me back in! Like, okay, we don't want to look at you either. <laughs> Maybe the ship was full of lotion. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> okay. In the command center, T'Pol tells Archer that the disturbance is expanding, and it might have been caused by the five spheres surrounding it. Uh, there was a formerly inhabited planet that was consumed by the disturbance, and the alien might be the last survivor. Uh, later, the senior officers are being instructed in hand-to-hand combat by Hayes and the Makos. Uh, T'Pol is distracted by Trip and Cole. Uh, Reed is unhappy with the way the training is going after Mayweather gets his butt kicked by a Mako. Mm. In the cargo bay, Trip and T'Pol are examining the alien vessel, and T'Pol talks to Trip about performing neuropressure and about Trip's relationship with Cole. Yeah, for someone who doesn't care, she really cares. She really cares, yeah. <laughs> uh, in Archer's ready room, T'Pol tells Archer that the vessel is composed of the same stuff as the surface of the spheres. Uh, T'Pol hypothesizes that the alien was put into the disturbance to see how the environment would affect him. Or, as Archer says, he's a canary in a coal mine. This is based off the Trinon myth that the makers were reshaping the expanse with the spheres in order to create a paradise, uh, as explained in the episode Chosen Realm. Right. Uh, there's another scene uh, with a pissing contest between Reed and Hayes, uh, this time with target practice. Yes, these guys really gotta just give it up. <laughs> uh, Archer forces Phlox to revive the alien so that he can question him. Uh, Phlox finds this unethical, but Archer wants answers. The alien was put in the disturbance against his will. Uh, he's actually from a trans-dimensional realm. It turns out that he was a prisoner who was offered freedom if he participated in an experiment. Uh, then his hand starts phasing in and out. Oh, so hence the trans-dimensional being. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Starlog Supplemental Enterprise is back on course towards the Red Giant. Uh, in T'Pol's quarters, T'Pol performs neuropressure on Trip, and Trip wants her to admit that she's jealous of Trip and Cole's relationship. She mentions that Sim told her that he slash Trip had feelings for T'Pol yeah. in, in the episode Similitude. Uh, uh, T'Pol and Trip kiss, and then uh, T'Pol disrobes, and the audience can see the top of her bare butt. <sighs> yeah come on <laughs> all right i'm sorry sorry don't mean to derail you we'll talk about this in a moment yeah it's enterprise being 
uh, cheesy is mm-hmm. not the word, but you know how they were in the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, Titillating. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, in sick bay, the alien knocks Phlox out by facing his arm through Phlox's neck. Uh, he then walks through one of the walls. Uh, elsewhere, Reed and Hayes are having a sparring match. Uh, Reed gets his butt kicked, and then Reed takes the fight out into the hallway, and they are interrupted by a tactical alert. It, it, it's pretty, like, knockdown, drag out. It was made me think of, uh, of They Live, you know, and there's that, oh, yeah. that famous scene where, you know, he wants him to put on the sunglasses and he won't. I just kept picturing that during this fight because it just kept going on and on and, like, spilling out into the corridor, like you said. Yeah, it's, it was a very long fight. Yeah, it's elaborate. <laughs> uh,. It turns out that the alien is disrupting systems on Enterprise when he walks through walls. Uh, Reed and Hayes try shooting him, but it has no effect. The alien makes his way to engineering, and he knocks out Trip along the way. And the alien is trying to disrupt the warp core. Reed and Hayes work together to cause feedback in the warp core, which knocks the alien out. Yeah, and he's just, like, laying on top of it, just, like, shaking it. I was like, okay... Yeah. Why don't you just why don't you just phase through it and you know that do something would that make way. some sense, but yeah. then you wouldn't have the dramatic scene of Reed and Hayes uh, working together. Yeah, true. Uh, later in the mess hall, Trip wants to talk to Tapal about uh, their sexy times, but she <laughs> just thanks him for facilitating her exploration of human sexuality. Right. So it was just an experiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Trip is not happy about how cold she is about the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, but he does want to keep up the neuropressure treatment. Okay, that's not going to be awkward at all. <laughs> uh, in Archer's ready room, Archer is upset about how beat up Reed and Hayes are. They're really beat up. Yeah. They really went to town on each other. Uh, Reed and Hayes have buried the hatchet. Uh, Archer gets interrupted when Phlox calls and asks him to go to sickbay. Uh, in sickbay, the alien is phasing out while Archer asks him why he tried to destroy Enterprise. Uh, the alien says that his people will prevail once the Zindi destroy Earth, and then he disappears completely. And what? That, <laughs> yeah, and that's the end of the episode. Whoa. So. Yes. Sphere builders. Apparently, yeah, more of the maker stuff. So I'm guessing that um, the idea here is that he was actually sent through to test the water, if you will. I'm guessing, like you know, if the if the the makers are actually using the spheres to kind of, I guess, reconfigure. I'm making air quotes. You can't see, but reconfigure this the area of the expanse uh, to support them. Um, it, it could very well be that he was sent through as kind of the canary in the coal mine, but it does definitely seem like he had a mission as mm-hmm. well, which was to destroy the Enterprise. Yeah, because the Enterprise is the only one that can stop the Zindi. Yeah, and I mean, if the whole purpose that we're learning is apparently that um, the the Sphere Makers want to 
come over to our side or you know our neck of the woods from their dimension uh and if they're trying to help uh that or prevent i guess prevent humans from stopping them um that they would definitely want to destroy Enterprise and definitely want to help the Zindi. So I'm guessing it's not the last we've heard of this. Um, there is a kind of an, it was an uneven episode. I, I think uh, some of the things that, that really irked me, I mean, definitely there's the, 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 the Paul trip thing. Yes. I, I, I mean, you know, Hey, I'm, not prude, but you know, I'm, and, and if they do want to explore some kind of, you know, human Vulcan relationship, I mean, look at Spock's parents. We know this happens. Um, that's great, but you know, like, just it, like, I think the term I used was titillating. Like the whole, it was like the whole point of it wasn't to be like, Oh, this is a natural progression and what's been going on. It was just kind of like, Whoa, you know, like, okay out of the blue and then also not completely out of the blue but this escalated quickly (laughs) and then and then you know just like the shock factor you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like yeah i think it could have been a little done a little more tastefully (laughs) (laughs) uh there was that and then there's you know the um the the rivalry there the right this the starfleet the kind of not quite, um, uh, just the not quite sort of expertly handled Mako Starfleet rivalry, you know, that's kind of come to a head between, you know, Reed and the, and the leader of the Makos. It's, you know, and, and just that, you know, these two people that are supposedly, you know, like trained professionals just basically beating the crap out of each other. Right. Um, seemed very uh not very star trek to me i don't know <laughs> i guess maybe i'm maybe i'm just a little um I'm, I'm not used to that kind of thing on star trek so i i would i had hoped that the uh rivalry would have continued throughout the season but mm-hmm. they just they were just like oh let's wrap it up now yeah, let's wrap it up. I mean, we're like three quarters of the way through, so why not? Yeah, I mean, you can imagine, oh, what if this rivalry goes on? It doesn't get to the point of, you know, fisticuffs like this. And then maybe near the end of the, near the end of the, uh, of the season, um, they end up like saving each other's lives or something. You know, right. something. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it, it could be a cool plot. It's just a little silly. <laughs> Speaking of silly, they just introduced Amanda Cole and her relationship with Trip all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And it was only to make T'Pol jealous. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really dumb. Yeah. I was it, thinking, oh, you know, they're gonna have this thing and maybe there'll be some ongoing, you know, ongoing thing with this. But no, it just it it all wrapped up in an episode. Yeah, maybe. it could have been a longer term relationship mm-hmm. and it could have uh not necessarily a parallel, kind of a mirror for the relationship between Reed and Hayes and Cole and Trip. Mm-hmm. Where it's, here's the Makos together. They're like Romeo and Juliet, you know? Mm-hmm. And then over here is like, oh, we're Reed and Hayes and we hate each other because mm-hmm. whatever. Or, you know, maybe if there was a, a little bit more um, kind of contention overall between Starfleet and the Makos. Right. You know, I mean, imagine if it started off 
if they'd started off this whole story, this this long story arc now, where you know, like maybe Archer and the rest of the Starfleet officers didn't want the Makos on the on the mission, but you know, Starfleet, you know, Admiral Forrest was like, no, we've got to have them along. You know, it's you've got to do this. It's it's your orders. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to take them for some reason or another. This mission is, you know, this mission is too crucial to leave just to civil. You're not civilians, but you know what I mean. Right. To leave to scientists, you know, scientists and, and shuttle pilots, you know, like we need some trained, you know, military troops on this mission. Um, then that, that could have set up, you know, a longer running, uh, a rivalry between them or something. You know? Yeah. And I was just thinking when you were saying that, what if it was that Hayes had, uh, orders that Archer hadn't heard yet mm-hmm. and like had to do something really bad mm-hmm. at the end of the season, you know, and mm-hmm. Archer found out about it. And then there was a clash there. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot they could have done with it. And I mean, we still don't quite know what's going to play out, but I feel like there's, there won't be as big of a payoff because they didn't, you know, really do it, handle it so well. Anyways, um, they're all friends now. Everyone's they're all friends. Everyone's friends. You know, Archer, I mean, you have that weird scene where Archer has to basically, you know, scold them both in his, in his ready room, you know, like, ah, I can't have you guys doing this on my ship now kiss and make up, you know, or like whatever. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was interesting. Like, it it felt like it was there to further the plot of, you know, who these, who built the spheres and why. Um, but that was, unfortunately, that was overshadowed by the weird jealous to Paul storyline. And uh, the, these guys just can't get along storyline. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I just feel like, you know, it's setting, it's definitely setting things up for the, the end run of the season. Yeah, I mean, this is already episode 15, and mm-hmm. there are, what, 26 episodes or 24 episodes? Yeah, so it's getting there. Getting close. Um, Let's take a little break, and okay. when we come back, we'll talk about Doctor's Orders. Sounds good. UPN Wednesday on an all-new Star Trek Enterprise. The crew put in hibernation to survive a deadly region of space. And the only one who can bring them back Doctor. is losing his mind. I don't know what's happening. You're not real! Stay tuned for an ending that's beyond belief. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 16, Doctor's Orders. Original air date, February 18th, 2004. Take it away, Randy. All right. So as the show opens, uh, we see Enterprise traveling through a uh, kind of like a cotton color candy nebula, I guess. Uh, basically, it's not normal space. We know that for sure. Uh, inside the ship, uh, no one seems to be at their stations. Um, it is a is this a quiet time on Enterprise or something is up? And it's probably the latter. Uh, we see flocks, uh, chasing Porthos, uh, through the hallways of the ship. Again, no one else is around. Uh, he chases Porthos up to the closed door of a cabin. Uh, he opens the door and lets Porthos in. Porthos jumps onto the bed and we realize Archer is laying in it. 
He's on the bed unconscious and has this little flashing silver disc on his forehead. And with that, we have the opening credits. Uh, Phlox is trying to figure out why Porthos uh, keeps trying to uh, check in on Archer. uh, And he's actually reading about this behavior on a pad. Uh, He reads a story of a dog named Scruffers, uh, who traveled uh, thousands of kilometers uh, to get back to his family. Uh, he tells Porthos a story about a Pykan space moth he's heard of that once traveled over half a light year. But unlike Scruffers, <laughs> that space moth didn't have a name. Uh, Phlox takes Porthos through, for a walk uh, through the Enterprise corridors, and while he does so, he's dictating a letter to a Dr. Jeremy Lucas. A la Dear Doctor. A la Dear Doctor. Uh, We find out that a couple of days prior, uh, Enterprise had encountered a trans-dimensional disturbance. uh, And that it is in between uh, their location and the red giant Azadi Prime. Uh, In order to get there and go around the disturbance, uh, it would take a few weeks. Uh, So they have... Basically, they figured out that if uh, they were to fly through it, it would cause neurological harm to the crew. Uh, so, uh, Fox proposes putting them into an induced coma uh, to protect them from it. Um, Trip uh, protests; he doesn't, you know, like this plan uh, because it might put Enterprise at risk while they're asleep. But Archer thinks that it's what they need to do in order to get to Azadi Prime as quickly as possible. Uh, we see a sequence uh, where Phlox is being trained on the different ship systems uh, so that he can take over and run the ship if needed. Um, Phlox, at the conclusion of this, uh, he tells Archer that he's kind of still not sure, even though he's received the training, uh, but Archer assures him that he has full faith in him. Uh Later, we see Phlox in engineering, uh, checking on the systems there when he hears a sound. Uh, We find out that there's about two uh, and a half days remaining uh, before they make it through uh, the disturbance field. Uh, In the next scene, uh, Phlox is jogging uh, through the corridors of Enterprise. Uh, Then we cut to a scene uh, which is uh, not quite the same as in the last episode with uh, the disrobing of uh, T'Pol, but it is Phlox uh, in the buff uh, in (laughs) sickbay. Not only is he nude, uh, but there's some kind of... I'm trying to remember if it was... Um, was it Zoolander? Uh, or it was a movie where they, like, the, one of the characters is naked and they keep, or maybe, oh, it was Austin Powers. Right. It's kind of like an Austin Powers when he's naked and they're, like, strategically placing things to cover up the fact. Well, basically the same thing happens here, uh, as he's feeding his animals. Uh, we get another scene, and again, all this time, Phlox is all by himself. Uh, we get another scene uh, where he is in the mess hall by himself eating a meal. Uh, he is watching a film. Uh, it's an old comedy, uh, and it, it's actually called The Court Jester, uh, and it was released in 1965. 
So I don't know what the exact math is, but it's hundreds of years old <laughs> again. And I don't know, maybe it was a Paramount film. I don't know if maybe that's the thing that connects all of these is that they're all, you know, licensed to Paramount or something. All I know is they're all really old movies. They're all really old, but he seems to be having a good time. He's laughing at it. It's it's a very cheeky old uh, Earth movie uh, to, to the Stenobulan. Uh, while he's eating, he hears a sound uh, again. Uh, he goes to check it out. Uh, and as he does so, uh, he's talking to himself. Uh, we find out that at the previous, uh, movie night, uh, the film that they watched was The Exorcist. And he kind of wishes that Trip hadn't made him watch it. So yet another old movie, but I guess one that would kind of at least fit with the situation. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh. You know, there's something scary going on. I wish I hadn't watched The Exorcist. I almost though it's that sometimes I wish that they had, would just come up with fake movie names. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, The Terror of Rylon 7 or something, you know, <laughs> something fun like that. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, here's here's the sounds continue. He finally makes it to one of the launch bays uh, where he sees um, that the sound is actually coming from a rattling chain. Uh, but as he's looking at that, he turns, and lo and behold, T'Pol is there. <laughs> Where was she this whole time? Where was she this whole time? You know, why was she um, not eating with him, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. I think he says something along, along the lines of, like, kind of, you know, how has she been doing? You know, is she, like getting her meditation in or something like that. Uh, but in any event, he invites uh, to Paul to dinner. Um, back in engineering uh, for the next scene, uh, Fox is again, you know, kind of tending to the sensitive equipment there. Uh, when he, out of the corner of his eye, he sees a shadowy figure running along the catwalk. Uh his immediate reaction this time, unlike the times before is to call to Paul to see if it was her, but she tells him that, no, I'm on the bridge. Uh, later on, um, back to, uh, the dinner invitation, uh, Fox and to Paul are in the ship's galley. Uh, Fox is cooking them dinner. Uh, he explains that this is a Denobulan dish, uh, that his fifth grandmother uh, actually cooked for all of his weddings, because, as we know, he has many wives. Uh, as part of this, we find out one of the reasons why Fox might be acting kind of weird is that Denobulans actually really like it when there are a lot of people around. So we find out that this is kind of not the best situation for Fox. Mm -hmm. Um it explains why he has several wives and all that. Yeah, he has several wives, and he likes to be surrounded by his little menagerie and stuff like that. Um, and in the next scene, um, Fox is again kind of making his way by himself through the ship. Uh, he's uh, dictating to his doctor friend. Uh, he goes and he checks in on Archer. Uh, as he's doing so, um, we have kind of a jump scare moment of something scurrying past the window on the outside of the ship. It's like that Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> yeah, there's something on the wing of Enterprise! Uh, anyways, that's kind of creepy. 
Uh, he calls to Paul. She sees nothing on the sensors. Uh, so he leaves Archer's quarters uh, to tend to the other crew and encounters a Zindi insectoid. What? So- yeah, right? Like, oh, maybe the Zindi actually have boarded the ship while everyone's asleep. Um, eventually, he runs and hides in an airlock. There's like a tense scene of him trying to get into the airlock before uh, the Zindi can catch him. Uh, he calls to Paul. Uh, to Paul, of course, says she doesn't detect anything on the ship's sensors. Uh, but uh, that's not going to stop uh, Phlox from taking action. So he goes to the armory and... Uh, outfits himself with a phase pistol. Uh, He speaks with T'Pol and tells her that he's going to go search the ship for the Zendi. uh, And he brings T'Pol with him. Uh, As they're searching the corridors, uh, he hears a sound and takes aim to fire when Porthos jumps out and he shoots and misses Porthos, uh, but almost hits Porthos. So, that would have been very not good. Yeah. I'm sure Archer would not be happy if he woke up and Fox had to say, oh, I'm sorry, I sh- shot your dog with a phase pistol. I mean, um, remember how upset Archer got uh, when that A Night in Sick Bay happened. <laughs> right, right. That was bad. So as... Uh, as Flox is continuing to search the ship, uh, he gets a call over the comm system from Hoshi. Uh, shouldn't she be asleep? <laughs> He heads to her quarters uh, to find that she's taking a shower. Um, basically, Hoshi pops out of the bathroom, out of the shower, and looks really, really scary, like her face is melting. Uh, she starts uh, screaming at him and blaming him and saying that basically he was responsible for them, and, and he's the reason all this is happening. Uh, but Flox turns around to discover Hoshi's really sleeping in her bed. Um, at this point, he calls to Paul and tells uh, her to meet him in sickbay. Uh, as he's heading there, uh, he opens the turbo lift door and Archer emerges from it. Or rather, a hallucination of Archer. Uh, in sickbay, uh, Fox shows to Paul a scan he's performed on his own brain. Turns out the field, or I guess the distortion or disturbance outside the ship is affecting him after all. Uh, to Paul admits to him that it's affecting her too, and she's having trouble controlling her emotions. Uh, this part reminded me of uh, Strange New World, uh, where mm-hmm. Tabal had to deal with uh, hallucinating crew members. Yeah, she had to deal with them during that episode, and now it's kind of like, yeah, the same kind of thing kind of again, only now she's being affected. Uh, the two of them go to the bridge, uh, where they discover that the ship, basically they're like, oh my god, how long do we have have to deal with this problem if it's affecting us too? Uh, they discover that the ship has somehow got off course, uh, and if they, they do not take the ship to warp, they will be in the disturbance for ten more weeks, which they definitely can't do. Right. Uh, so the two of them go to the situation room, uh, they try to figure out a solution and aren't having any luck. Uh, to Paul says that despite their calculations, the disturbance must be expanding at a rate faster than the ship is traveling. So Phlox decides to restart the warp reactor, uh, despite uh, Tripp's earlier warnings about doing so. Uh, so they go to uh, engineering. Um, Phlox is trying to get the warp reactor restarted. Basically, T'Pol's being no help. She's just totally losing it. Yeah, I was really frustrated with how useless T'Pol was. Yeah, well, I mean, she's basically 
as the science officer, and I guess the first officer of the Enterprise, she seems to have no sense of how to function, how to operate any of the ship's systems. Mm-hmm. She basically tells um, Flocks to read the manual. Like, I think she might even literally say, read the manual. Um, as he goes to do so, he sees a hallucination of Trip, warning him that this is a bad idea. Uh, despite this, he's able to get enough info from the ship's, I guess, instruction manual <laughs> to uh, get the warp reactor started and form a warp field. Uh, things seem okay at first, but then the ship starts shaking. Uh, they both realize that there's something going on with particle confinement and that they need to increase it. Um, Phlox manages to figure that out with no help from T'Pol. Uh, but then uh, the pressure on the ship's hull begins increasing uh fortunately um reed had showed flocks how to uh send more power to the hull plating so he's able to do that and everything smooths out and they're able to get the ship up to warp two uh later on that now that they've exited the uh disturbance field uh we see flocks in archer's quarters waking him uh, Archer asks him uh, if anything weird happened while they were under, and he says, basically, you can read about it in my report. Uh, outside of Archer's quarters in the corridor, uh, Fox is talking with Trip, and T'Pol appears, uh, offering to help him out. Um, he says, uh, basically, I don't need any help. Thank you, but I'll walk you to your quarters. And this is where I noted uh, that T'Pol responds with, are those doctor's orders? Ah, the title of the episode. Oh, the title of the episode. So he walks to Paul to recorders. Uh, they enter, uh, and he kind of thanks her for uh, basically weathering this uh, adventure with him uh, and says he'll check on her in a few days. Uh, but as he turns to say goodbye, she has disappeared. Uh, basically... Um, he turns and looks and sees that T'Pol is still in her induced coma in her bed wearing a different outfit than she had been wearing. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> what a twist. Yeah, what a twist, right? It kind of reminds me of a Shyamalan movie plot. Um, <laughs> the episode ends with uh, Fox dictating a final message to Dr. Lucas. Uh, he says that he considered uh, wiping this message, but... Uh, he figured it would be entertaining to hear of his uh, weird adventure. Uh, the final scene we get is uh, in the mess hall. The crew's eating together again. There's lots of people around. Fox seems happy. Uh, he joins to Paul at a table. Uh, she tells him that Tripp's annoyed by what he did to get the engines restarted and that it might take him a few days to fix. Uh, but Tripp also told her that uh, Phlox did, quote, one hell of a job. Uh, T'Pol says, you must have enjoyed having the ship to yourself. To which Phlox replies, it wasn't nearly as empty as I'd anticipated. Uh, she raises an eyebrow in Vulcan style, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so this was an episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how early on did you, did you like realize that T'Pol wasn't really there? Uh, well, the fact that they started the episode without showing T'Pol at all, mm-hmm. as soon as she showed up, I was like, wait a second. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, wait, wait a second. Like, obviously, T'Pol's not a doctor, so it would make kind of sense that they need flocks to, um, monitor them while they're in a coma. Like, I thought, okay, yeah, I can see that, but why not just say, well, okay, flocks, you're going to be awake to monitor the crew. T'Pol knows the ship like the back of her hand. She's going to be, she will also will not be affected. So she's going to be awake to kind of watch over the, sh- the ship. Right. You know, but instead we got Fox, you're going to watch over us, but we're also going to show you what to do in case of an emergency because you're going to be by yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that to me was a dead giveaway. Mm-hmm. And that then how, how unhelpful to Paul was, was also you know, mm-hmm. made it very obvious. It was like, he doesn't know what he's doing, so she didn't know what she was doing. Right. I think, um, you know, the the other thing I noted was that she doesn't actually touch anything. Mm. Like, she doesn't, like, when um, they're trying to get the warp reactor started, she just kind of, like, pantomimes touching the controls. Like, she's, like, uh, uh, like, really reluctant to touch anything. And so I don't know if that was because... You know, obviously, if you, you you realize, oh, she was a ghost the whole time. She <laughs> she was Bruce Willis the whole time. Um, and you go back and you're like, but how was she operating the controls of the warp reactor? Well, anyways. Uh, yeah, so it turns out they should have just warped through it in the first place. Oh, yeah. It was kind of pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Because they had to warp and everything was fine. Yeah. You'd almost think that they could run a computer simulation. And discover that, oh, yeah, it's actually totally safe to warp through this. But, yeah. I mean, you got to have Phlox be kind of a hero. Yeah, I like Phlox. I like Phlox-centric episodes, so it mm-hmm. was good to see a lot of him on screen. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I, I just... Uh, I don't feel like they... It was good to have a lot of Phlox, but then I also don't quite feel like they did as much as they could have with Phlox. Like I, I liked like there was a the episode where, um, oh, it's the the episode with the catwalk where, um, everyone has to go there because it's shielded. Mm-hmm. I think it's this is the same episode, but then the ship is boarded right. by aliens, and Flox ends up like being instrumental in saving the crew. And I think he actually gets into a fight with one of the aliens. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. That's like Fox saving the day kind of thing. In this case, it was just kind of like Fox is going crazy. (laughs) Well, I think they wanted to have kind of a horror movie vibe Mm -hmm. about this episode. Uh, I noted that early on when Fox is chasing Porthos and it's dark, Mm -hmm. um, it reminded me of alien. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I think it was more successful as a scary episode than um, the episode with the the zombies with the Vulcan zombies. Yeah. I mean, so if you're looking for scary, it was definitely scarier than that. But um, it was, you know, it it definitely after all of these episodes with, um, you know, focused on the Zindi, uh, the Zindi storyline. It was both good and bad to have a filler episode. Because mm. you feel it was very much a filler episode. Yeah. I mean, it was essentially a bottle episode. They didn't make yeah. any new sets. It was all on right. Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every, every show has to have some of those. At least we got lots of uh, flocks. At least it wasn't, you know, 
the wacky adventures of Travis or Hoshi or something. <laughs> we got a lot of flux. We got a lot of Porthos too, which was nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we learned that uh, Porthos likes to eat Flux's leeches. Oh, right. Doesn't Flux eat leeches? Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're tasty, I guess. Sure. I wonder if, if he has the same problem with, with leeches as he does with cheese. Yeah. Uh, the... Beg for them. Uh, let's see. Oh, and, uh, Flock says, I'm a physician, not an engineer at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can't, you know, you can't have a doctor on Enterprise that doesn't, you know, go through that, that, uh, sequence there. There was some, definitely some funny ones on, uh, on Voyager with, uh, emergency medical hologram. And, you know, now we got to hear Flock say something along those lines. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This episode was, not one of my favorites, but I kind of liked it more than Harbinger. Yeah, me too. I think despite the fact that not much at all happens in it, um, I still, maybe it was, it was so flock centric. I liked it yeah. more. Uh, next time we're going to talk about Hatchery and Azadi Prime. Ooh, that sounds promising. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're toward, we're definitely in the back end of uh, this season, so. Yeah. Things should start ramping up. All right. So by that episode title, I'm going to get that they're going to reach a Saudi Prime. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Flox. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Star Trek Enterprise. I'm sorry, Captain, I can't obey that order. You're relieved this first officer. What has gone wrong to turn the crew and the captain against each other? I need officers who respect the chain of command and can follow orders. If he finds out what we're doing, we'll both end up in the brig. Star Trek Enterprise. 